Espionage has always been important throughout history. From the ninjas of feudal Japan to the surveillance planes of World War I. But espionage really hit the scene right after World War II and the start of the Cold War. Now, the, the Cold War wasn't really a war. It was more of a, an era taking place for the later half of the 1900s. And it wasn't because there was a fight in, you know, the frigid Arctic. Uh, it was just basically the United States and the Soviet Union trying to fight each other. You know, they're trying to outdo each other. But they wanted to take each other down. But both of them had a large stockpile of uh, nuclear weapons. And they wanted to prevent a war. Because, you know, even if you manage to win the war, you're all, you're, it's not going to be worth it. Because they have nuclear bombs and will destroy your country. So... It, it, they neither wanted that. It, it was called mutually assured destruction or MAD. There were a couple of uh, very close calls where the world almost ended. Uh, either way, so um, they decided that the best way to fight each other during this time was with spies. That and proxy wars where they had smaller countries fight it out, but mostly spies. And this is where the classic spy trope comes from. The Agent 007 roguish handsome guy with nifty gadgets galore and always narrowly escaping certain death. But in reality, spy and covert missions were... not as cool as the movies make them out to be. I mean, yeah, you had your classic undercover spy in enemy territory gathering information, sure. But during the Cold War, nations were willing to try anything to improve their spying capabilities. And I mean anything. To the point that it's comedic. For instance, take the CIA's attempts to kill Cuban leader Fidel Castro. They tried over 600 different attempts and plans to kill him. And many of these plans seemed like they were made by Agent Wiley Coyote. Like rigging a very pretty seashell to explode when turned over in the hopes that when Castro went scuba diving, he would find it, turn it over, and then kaboom? Yeah, um, it, it didn't work, unless, uh, him dying of old age was one of their plans. Now, I plan to make an episode later about the many ridiculous attempts the CIA had attempting to kill Castro, so I won't spoil any more. But my point is that spy agencies, especially the CIA, had wacky plans. But out of all the ideas the CIA has tried, none are as bizarre or hilarious as Project Acoustic Kitty, an operation to turn an average house cat into the perfect spy. Hi, my name is Nicholas Fowler, and welcome to Historical Hijinks. Now you might be thinking, why would you try to make a house cat the ultimate spy? Well, the CIA thought that a cat would be inconspicuous. Therefore, it could do things like lay at the windowsill of a Russian emissary in Washington, D.C., or hide under a park bench where two supposed enemy spies were exchanging information. And, well, that does make a lot of sense. I mean, I'm not a spy infiltrating an enemy nation, as far as you know. But if I saw some random person laying by my window with a microphone and a camera, I would be a little more than suspicious. The whole idea of a cat spy also makes sense because in every spy movie, what kind of pet does the villain have? That's right, a cat. 
So you know how every time the hero bursts into the villain's evil lair and gets caught in a trap, and then the enemy spins around in their big swivel chair, petting a pet cat and saying something on the lines of, Well, 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 so glad you could join us, Agent 47. Think about how easy it would be to defeat that villain if the cat that he had as a pet was secretly a spy for you. Yeah, it's ingenious. But the question still remains. How do you turn a cat into the ultimate spy? Perhaps with some secret agent training? And giving it gadgets like a mouse toy that's actually a smoke bomb? Nope. They were going to give the cat cybernetic enhancements. Yes, in the 60s, the CIA actually attempted to make a secret agent by training a cat and outfitting it with cybernetic implants. It's moments like these that make me wonder that if in the 60s, the CIA used LSD in more places than Project MKUltra. Now, I know this sounds like the plot of a direct-to-DVD movie in the late 90s, but it's true. It was an actual operation, and it was called Project Acoustic Kitty. So how did this operation work out? Well, not too well, as you can imagine. Uh, the first issue was one that any cat owner can attest to. Uh, that cats generally just do whatever they want. They just wander around, eat what they want and when. They'll never listen to orders. Uh, they just, you know, you want to pet them? No, I don't want to be pet. Then when you're working? No, pet me now. They just don't care about what humans want. Let alone follow orders to spy on other people. But this did not deter the CIA. They thought that the best way to solve this problem was by, you know, spending some money on training the cat. Now, a lot of people pay for animal training. My family has even paid for behavior lessons for my dogs. But generally, you don't pay $10 million on training one animal. But guess what? That's just what the CIA did. And, in case you're wondering, yes, of course it was paid for using taxpayer dollars. Because who needs potholes fixed when you could have a cyborg cat? Actually, that does sound like a, hmm, that's actually a pretty tough trade-off. But uh, even this didn't work. And uh, the cat didn't, like, the cat was still misbehaving. And this was pretty much a representation of all house cats. I mean, even after spending $10 million on training, the cat would barely listen to any instruction. Yet, the CIA pressed on with the next part of their plan, the cybernetic enhancements. Now, unfortunately, the CIA decided to only use boring cybernetics. So, no, the cat didn't shoot lasers or have rocket boosters or x-ray vision or anything like that. It turns out that in the 1960s, technology wasn't as good. So, pretty much all the CIA could manage to fit in the cat was a radio transmitter. So, uh, it did not really, uh, it couldn't record, it couldn't do anything. Basically, it just listens to what is said and transmits the audio somewhere else. To do this, they decided to put a microphone in the cat's ear canal, which they said was an obvious, uh, choice, and basically free real estate. Then, they implanted a three-quarters of an inch large radio transmitter in the base of the skull, which was connected to a wire that ran through the cat's fur to an antenna that ran up its tail. 
They put the feline under an hour-long surgery, and when it woke up, Cyber Kitty was born. Cyber Kitty! Now that they created the ultimate spy, it was time for them to test Cyber Kitty out. And well, we'll see how that goes after this quick break, so don't go anywhere. Okay, uh, hi, and welcome to my new segment. Uh, I thought it would be fun to take a quick break from the main history segment to answer some questions you guys have sent me that that have really fun and interesting historical answers, but the answer is either too short for an episode, or it's not, it doesn't fit well with other segments. So, like, for instance, if, uh, I- I'm planning on having a bunch of smaller segments connected, kind of, but centered around a theme, you know? So, um, Next week, I'm talking about uh, lesser-known heroes of the American Revolution. I'm not talking about one person. I'm talking, like, it's shorter segments. But things, but sometimes, like, they just don't fit together. So I figured that uh, I could answer the questions or, you know, tell one of the historical answers that happened to be a fun story but doesn't fit into the main show uh, right here in the middle. So, yeah, um... If you want to send me a question or a topic for this part, you can just send it to me at uh, historicalhijinkspodcast at gmail.com or uh, use the Twitter at histhijinks. So, without further ado, this question comes from my sister, who asks, Why does the United States use the imperial system of measurement while the rest of the world uses the metric system? Now this story is really interesting. You see, before the 1800s, there was pretty much uh, no cohesion between areas on what measurements they used. It was pretty much a different measurement for different areas, sometimes to the point that different towns would have different forms of measurement. And while this system worked well enough when travel was slow and the world wasn't really connected, new technology and faster trade and communication made this whole system a nightmare. And in 1793, the U.S. Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson saw the issue of having 22 different forms of measurements in the country, because each state basically used their own form of measurement. For instance, Florida measured things using alligators. So if uh, something was six feet long today, back then in Florida, you would say it's one alligator long. Now, uh, Jefferson decided that the this wouldn't work out, and the United States needed to adopt a national form of measurement. But which one to choose? Certainly not the alligator one. There aren't very many alligators in the North. How will everyone know what to compare the, the length to? So, Jefferson decided that uh, maybe he wanted to try out this newfangled metric system that was just made. I mean, it seemed pretty easy to learn, what with its increments of 10. But before he went to Congress to attempt to put America on the metric system, he wanted to get a better feeling for the metric system, so to say. So he asked France to bring him a kilogram and a meter to decide, you know, if, if, if he liked the metric system. So France sent botanist Joseph Dombey on a voyage to deliver a meter-long rod and a piece of copper that weighed exactly one kilogram. And on his way to the U.S., his ship was caught in a storm, and he was blown off course all the way to the Caribbean, where he was raided by pirates. And for some reason, the pirates must have really liked the metric system, 
because they took the meter as well as the kilogram. When Jefferson didn't get the his metric units, I guess he must have given up because he just decided to give the imperial system a try, and uh, that ended up becoming the system of measurement America uses to this day. See, now wasn't that a f dumb and fun story to fit in the middle? And if you want me to answer your question in a segment like this, once again, just uh, email it to me at uh, historicalhijinkspodcast at gmail.com or use the Twitter at histhijinks. Well, well, that was a fun little distraction. Anyway, back to Cyber Kitty. The CIA had their Cybercat spy and they wanted to give him a test drive. So... They started using little simulations, you know, seeing how he would, how, how Cyber Kitty would do. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he would follow his stomach more than them. Uh, he would just wander off in search of food. And, uh, according to the documents, they somehow were able to circumvent this by, by performing another surgery, somehow using wires to make it so that the cat isn't as hungry. Uh, that's just what it says in the documents. Uh, so yeah, they they did that next surgery, and uh, the other cybernetics, along with the new training, they rounded up to about uh, twenty million dollars in total. Training this cat and implanting cybernetics into it, and there were even more problems. For instance, during the simulations, uh, when they would have the cat out, and then the agents would be nearby. It eats sometimes in an unmarked van in order to listen to what the cat hears. You know, to that's the whole point. The cat goes near something, and you and you hear what what the cat hears. And even when the cat did do what it told, and was near people, you couldn't even understand what they were saying because the cat's heartbeat would get in the way, so you couldn't even hear anything because it's like, alright, comrade. I have the documents that should bum bum. Ah uh, yes, I cannot wait to take down Asian bum bum. Yes, the 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 meter point is at bum bum. Like you couldn't, you, they couldn't do anything about that. You think they would have thought of about that before they spent twenty million dollars on this? And again, the cat would barely do what it's told. But I don't even know why they kept going with the project. And eventually, they thought the cat was ready for. Uh, a more realistic test. So, for its first official test out in the field, the CIA staff drove Cyber Kitty to the park, and they tried to have it listen into the conversation of two men sitting on a park bench. Instead, the cat immediately ran to the street and was run over by a taxi. Sorry, animal lovers, but uh, this doesn't really have a sad ending. Or does it? Because, even though this basically was a waste of $20 million, and after the failure of the first test, the whole thing was shut down, the former director of the CIA's Office of Technical Service, Robert Wallace, he claims that CyberKitty just didn't perform on the well on the test. They just kind of did what they wanted, and they, and you know... They just failed the test because they wouldn't do what they were told. And he claims that afterwards they just fired the cat and let it go. What is the CIA we're talking about? Who's to say that's the only one? Who knows? Maybe the cyber kitty's still out there. 
with a living a very long life due to its cybernetic enhancements. Or maybe there's even more cyber kitties that we don't even know about. Maybe one in your house right now, watching you, listening to your every move, documenting it, and sending it back to their masters back at the CIA. Eh, probably not. Getting a cat to do what it's told is practically mission impossible. Well, that's all the time I have for this week. Uh, hope you like the show. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm working on uh, making the episodes longer. Um, just gotta get the you know formula down. Work on it a bit. I'll, I'm gonna planning on adding maybe some sound effects. That'll be that'll be fun. Uh, uh, so uh, I I I got some fun stuff coming up. Uh, yeah, so that'll that'll be fun. And again, you know, you can you can send questions or if you just want to say hi you can reach me at uh historical hijinks at gmail.com or uh you know you can just uh use with a twitter at hist hijinks um yeah this is very thank you so much for listening i have a lot of fun doing these episodes um i'm nicholas fowler and this has been one for the history books <laughs>